LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty a resource to equip and encourage leaders to make disciples who make disciple makers. I'm your host, Chris Swain, here with Robbie Gallaty, the pastor of Long Hollow Baptist Church, founder and president of Replicate Ministries. We are discussing churches, and specifically, we want to look at a context today that we get a lot of questions from. We have a lot of pastors, a lot of church leaders who are talking about how discipleship is a struggle in their church, and it generally revolves around this church size of 200 or less, mm-hmm. which honestly is the mass majority of churches out there. Yeah. The smaller church, and uh, and I don't say that to be negative, that just the, the standard church. 65%, 70% of churches probably are right, two, right. 200 less. And, and so what they're struggling with in discipleship, as they've asked these questions, are we want to move into a disciple-making focus with our church, but we're struggling with getting our leadership and our people on board. Yeah. And so how do we in that church context, because a lot of time in a larger church or even a mega church environment, they're typically staff led. They are pastor led even. Yeah. Um, and, and so not, not saying one is better than the other, but it can be easier in a staff led pastor led church when the pastor and the staff come in and say, hey, we're going to go down this road. Yeah. In a church that can be a little bit more committee driven, has a lot more involvement in, in, in that smaller environment. Everyone there knows you, and you know everyone there, which is one of the great benefits of a church like that. True. Uh, one of the upsides to that. And so, uh, but the challenge can be because everyone knows you, because everyone has that connection, everyone believes they have a say. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, and you know what? Everyone does have a say, so I don't want to diminish that either. But when it comes to leading, you have to figure out how to navigate through what everyone is saying to what God is saying. Well, and the challenge with the small environment, Tim LaFleur used to say this a lot, which is kind of funny, but he used to say in a smaller environment, there's a lot of part-time thinkers trying to tell me how to lead my full-time <laughs> ministry. <laughs> I can only imagine. Yeah. So, and, and listen, no offense to people who are thinking about the church, you know, one or two hours a week, but the reality is sometimes those people who rarely think about the church are the loudest and the most influential. So right. what, what, what we're getting at here is most people or pastor most pastors are going to pastor a smaller context right. church uh, in, in an environment of people that's a more familiar familial environment <laughs> not right. familiar but familiar, <laughs> familiar. environment uh, okay so let me just encourage if that's you right now if you're pastoring a church of my first church was 65 people okay, okay? so you you've been in this church context you spent years in this size church. So yeah. as we're, t- we're talking, just to clarify for those listening, okay, uh, this is not some uh, subjective, hey, I've got an idea of how this might be. You've been in that church setting and really you started there. That That's was right. your first church. I still don't even know how they hired me, to be honest with you. I mean, I was, I was a Christian for three years, Chris. I mean, I had just gotten saved three years and before. with your testimony of you know how God's delivered you from drugs and things like that, you're probably not the number one guy on the list to be a pastor. I'm probably the last guy on the list. But you could see how desperate Emmanuel Baptist Church was. 
<laughs> but the cool thing is, by God's grace, the, the the people at Emmanuel Baptist, which still have a place in my heart today. You know, you, there's yeah. nothing like your first church. Right. You, you remember this, your first ministry assignment. Yes. There's something about that. So I go in there, 65 people, and they're asking me, like in the personnel search process, they're asking me, uh, Robbie, what is your five-year plan or what is your plan over the next three to five years right. here at Emmanuel? Yeah. And basically, I say, uh, I don't know. You know, which was true. I don't have a three to five I've year plan. I've only been a believer for three years. Yeah, I can't even. I don't have a plan for a church <laughs> That's right. anywhere on my radar. Right. I, but I, this is what I said. I said, out of the uh, the overflow of what I know and what I've been invested in by guys, I'm going to bring two things to this church. And, and here's what I'm going to bring. Number one is biblical textual expository preaching. That okay. was what I was majoring in at seminary, uh, majoring in, uh, in in the school. And so I, bring, I was going to bring that to the table. The second thing I was going to bring was a discipleship process. Now, this yeah. is this is 2006. What we do today and replicate was in the incubation stages back then. Yeah. We were, I mean, I was trying things and things didn't work and a lot of things, a lot more didn't work than worked, right? Yes. So I went into that church and I said, I'm going to bring a discipleship strategy. They had no clue about what I was talking about. This is 2006. Yeah. Nobody's talking about discipleship. <laughs> I got a three-headed monster I'm yeah. wearing around when people hear me like, what are you talking about? That's the craziest thing. So I come in there, 65 people, and... What I found out afterward was the church had declined so much. It was a smaller town. It was an oil town. So yeah. Morgan City, Louisiana, by Thibodeau and uh, Homa, Louisiana. Yeah, I'm picturing that in my mind. Yeah, no, bayou. I'm kidding. I have picture, no idea what <laughs> Picture the bayou. Picture the water. Uh, good people, right? Fishermen, shrimpers, uh, oil workers. And so I go in there. And what I do right off the bat is this, Chris. I start to disciple the two staff members I have at the time. Okay. And what were those positions on staff? The positions on staff were, and, and this is loosely disciple, was my administrative assistant okay. and my part-time youth pastor. Gotcha. Okay. okay. So I, I put them in a weekly meeting. So we okay. had this huge weekly gathering once yeah. a week. You know, I'd walk in there and like it was a big deal and it was... <laughs> My administrative assistant and my uh, and my part-time student pastor, <laughs> and we would. But here's the thing: even back then, Chris, yeah. I knew that if I could get them in the Word mm -hmm. until the until the Word got into them, that God would begin to do work. And if I could get them passionate and on fire for Jesus, mm -hmm. see, here's the problem we're dealing with in a lot of churches. Because we've been Christians for a period. See, I was only a Christian for three years. So this right. actually benefited me. You didn't know what you didn't know. No, I didn't know <laughs> that pastors don't disciple their staff. Right, right. I didn't know. You it was normal. Yeah. Right. I didn't know you have to do a three-hour business meeting every week and count spreadsheets and charts and <laughs> doors knocked and evangelistic right. pitches and this year over that year. I didn't know all that. Right. Right. Like I read the Bible. And I thought, okay, if I'm Jesus, you know, if I'm if I'm leading a, a team like Jesus would, right. what would Jesus do? Okay, he'd probably invest in these people and probably. get them in the word. Probably, at least that's yeah. what I've read. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so here's the deal: we got into the word, and I realize here. Here's what I realize: most pastoral staff members, regardless of the size church, right? The longer we get away from the date we got saved the easier it is for us to become institutionalized and domesticated as Christians, mm. okay? What wow. I mean is this. It's easy for us, don't miss this, to fall in love with the Jesus of the ministry 
or the, I'm sorry, with the ministry of Jesus mm-hmm. and not fall in love or fall out of love with Jesus of our ministry. Wow. Okay, now think about that. It's easy for us to yeah. fall in love with and have a love affair with everything that comes with being a pastor or a minister or a worship leader. Right. And we fall out of love with our first love, mm. which is Jesus. Well, and I think that's where a lot of pastors find themselves, whether they're or not they're willing to admit it. And I don't want to say they, we, we mm. all get to that point if we're not in consistent accountability. That's why we're so we we look at discipleship groups so uh, as so important to this process yeah. because that's what helps us stay in the mix and th- with that accountability. So let me ask you this then: so you're in this church, you have two staff members. That's it. Uh, Part time, probably. Part time, one full time administrative assistant, and part time sixty five people. Okay, and so in. In this setting, you step in, were the people already thinking, man, we want discipleship? Okay. No. no well, no, well, they wanted it, but they didn't know they wanted it. Okay. Okay. W- w- the cool thing about a smaller context is when you get a bunch of people who, at, at that context, that the church was declining some, mm-hmm. uh, they take a chance on a three-year-old Christian. Right. And, and basically what happened was, Chris, they realized if we don't do something, we're going to die. Yeah. Okay. And they were kind of, in a sense, going on life support. And so I had these crazy ideas. Let's disciple. Let's meet together and read the Bible and hold each other accountable and memorize scripture for the glory of God. Let's, instead of me just challenging you to be evangelistic from the pulpit, let's look eyeball to eyeball every week and and ask who are you sharing your faith with on a weekly basis. So what I do is, what I did is this. Number one is I started discipling my staff, okay? Okay. When you can get your staff to see one the value of discipleship, then you don't have to sell it to them on the okay. back end because they're going to experience it personally okay. themselves. Okay, so I just started discipling them. Simultaneously, what I did is I started a men's discipleship group in my office with a few key guys. Okay, uh, it started with a few key guys in my office, and then we said, "Hey, let's move out of the office." And then we moved into the group I talk about in growing up called Hot Dogs and Jesus. <laughs> That's what we call it. Well, we studied about Jesus. <laughs> we studied about Jesus, and no, we ate hot dogs. It was a Friday I'm just gathering. Get shirts made. I'm oh, just yeah. gonna say, oh <laughs> man. What would that shirt look like, right? <laughs> Golly. But here's the thing. So we we started this group on a Friday. It was at a guy named Jody's house. And it was it was it was a motley crew. I mean, yeah. this group was a motley crew of guys. Jesse was in there, mm-hmm. uh Jason was in there, and Jody was in there. Let me tell you about these guys. So we, one of them had just gotten uh arrested for growing <laughs> uh herbal supplements, I'll just say, in his home, okay, or in his business. Okay. That was the first one. The second one had just gotten out of a rehab facility okay both of these are sons of deacons in my church oh wow okay which is crucial because here's the thing when you get a deacon or a church member's kid on fire for jesus it affects the whole family Wow. Okay, because yeah. we want our kids to go on for God. And then the third one, was, for, the third person was Jody Blaylock. Mm-hmm. Jody was a disgruntled uh, deacon from a former church, in the, in the sense of kind of get burnt out on church, just the yeah. institutionalism of church. He 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 was affected by Hurricane Katrina. He yeah. moved up to Morgan City. I started with this group of three guys. It was in this first group of discipleship, Chris, where we started and created the Here Journal. I created oh, wow. it in that group, wow. two thousand and seven. That's cool. Okay. So we tried it. Uh, and so what I did was two things. Here's what I'd say in the smaller context. You start discipling your team, mm-hmm. whether it's 
full-time, part-time, or lay leadership. Right. Disciple that team. Secondly, I discipled my a group of key guys in the church. And here's the third thing. I discipled the deacons. Oh, wow. Yeah, well, listen. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Oh, wow. Now, well, now I'm mad. Well, but, well, before we get into the discipleship of the deacons, let's, let's take a Because that's a here. big deal, right? It, <laughs> is a, I want to hear more about that. And I've got a, 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 a kind of a pushback question on the staff that I get all the time okay. uh, that I need you to answer as well. But before we do that, I just want to point out again that we are members of the LifeWay Leadership Podcast Network, a yes. network of like-minded podcasters, if you will. So we've got uh, all kinds of different podcasts, all kinds of different topics. Today, we we want to talk to you about 5LQ, five leadership questions. This is a podcast. This is one of the best podcasts out there, I think. It really Honestly, is. It's the one I listen to. It's very simple. You They've got a formula uh, that I love. They ask five questions to leaders. <laughs> Simple. So you find a new leader, you ask five. And they've had some amazing people on there like Simon Sinek, Craig Rochelle, and, and they're about to have guests on there by the name of Robbie Gowdy, Chris Swain. So I'm really, really interested Are they having to see, us on it? I'm really interested. Nobody's going to want to listen to us, but we'll see. <laughs> Todd Atkins and Daniel do a great job with 5LQ. Check it out if you get the time. It's a great podcast as part of our network. So you were talking about discipling the deacons. Hmm. Before we get into depth with that part, uh, with that issue, with that element, um, I've had guys say, you told us to disciple our staff first, which is what you just said here. What happens if the staff doesn't buy in? <laughs> hey, hey, two or three staff members, I want to start investing in you and I want to help you grow and I want to show you what this process is like so we can roll it out for our staff. What if those staff members are resistant to that initial invitation, or you you start doing it and they're not doing their reading, they're not they're they're not showing up. Uh, something's going on with the family. You know what what are some ways we can work around that? I know there's no perfect situation. I know that, and especially with some part time leaders and with those who are already kind of uh, maybe maybe feeling like they're not the strongest leader. Yeah. Um, they push back. So what do we what do we do with those pastors and leaders out there who would say, I'm trying to get my team on board, but they're not buying in. Okay. On I'm gonna, I, it's going to sound a little bit harsh, but just going <laughs> to warn you on the front end. Let's use a football illustration because you're a football fan. Yes. Okay. Your favorite team. Dallas Cowboys. Is not the Arkansas Razorbacks, although uh, you're from yeah, Arkansas. I mean, that's my favorite college team. But right. Let's be honest. Have they won anything since the 60s? No, but you did say second favorite, you would pull for LSU. Absolutely. Hey, okay. if LSU is playing and winning, why wouldn't I pull for them as long as they're beating other teams that I don't like? Okay, and I said the same thing for you because I'm a Saints fan. Right. But I said a couple years if, ago, if the Cowboy Cowboys yeah, are winning, I'm pulling for good. the Cowboys. Yeah, sure. America's Absolutely. team. Absolutely. Okay, so you're a Cowboys fan. If you had a guy on the team who came from another uh, team and was traded in, or maybe he was there for a while, and you come in as the new coach. Right. You implement a different strategy of play calling. Yes. You're going to go from the shotgun, long bomb, throw the ball into the end zone approach right. to, more of a, uh, to more of a running game. Yes. You're going to run the ball. You're going to do options. Uh, you're you're going to run it up the middle. Okay? okay. If one of the players comes to you and says, I don't want to do that. I don't like that playbook. I'm using the old playbook. I know we're running the new right, playbook. Right. I'm running the old playbook, and I don't care what you say, coach. <laughs> Are you going to say, ah, listen, just keep running your plays. We're going to win anyway. <laughs> you wouldn't even do this in football. No. <laughs> you, you'd say, you'd say, brother, let me help you find what? Uh, 
a better a better bus or a better place on the bus. A, be, yeah, a better a team. Yeah. Bus. yeah. Let me get you on a different team where you feel comfortable yeah. and where you're passionate and have mm-hmm. conviction about how you're going to do ministry. Yes. But this team's going to run this playbook. Right. And if you have a problem with this playbook, then it's yeah. pro- now. Listen, is are you upset with this person? No. Are you mad at this person? Or do you have any hard feelings? No. no. He has a different conviction of a playbook. Now, here's the thing. Is his playbook right and our playbook right? Could be, yeah. Yeah. But here's the reality I tell people. We we have a strategy for making disciples. Is our strategy the only strategy out there? No. There's yes. a lot of strategies yes. out there. But here's, you're saying yes, but <laughs> no, no. there's a lot no, of strategies. No, there are other strategies that, are, yes. that people use. Here's the thing you got to realize. Yeah, there are other strategies. But here's the thing. You have to have a strategy. Right. We had a guy one time come to me, I think it was at a conference, and he said, hey, I don't, I don't agree with the way you guys make disciples that replicate. I yeah. just don't agree with that process. I said, tell me your pro- what kind of process do you guys have in your church? He said, I don't really have a process. I pulled a line out of D.L. Moody's yeah. book. I said, I think we'll stick with our process. <laughs> Over your non-process. Your non-process, yeah. Well, and one of the things that I think you're saying here, and I'm going to say it because uh, I can catch less flack by saying it, no process will help a weak leader lead Hmm. when it when it comes to these decisions because what you're really getting at here is there's gonna have to be a transition and and uh prayerfully a great transition uh that a godly team helps someone move to to the right place for them because clearly if you want to go discipleship focus and this individual does not you've got to help them get there yeah but you have to lead in that and i think a lot of times what leaders want is someone to say help me do this I don't want to do it without me having to do the hard work, the difficult work of helping someone transition. And so the answer to that really is you have to lead and do what's right for the church because you're following what God's calling you to do for the church. And that's got to trump uh, someone's feelings. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And it's got to trump. The, even the tradition of what's been around yeah, so that you can get to where you need to get, I think is... is uh, well, you're saying it too. And here's, here's what I'd say. One more thing before I move on. But I mean, you got to think in the first century, Peter and Paul mm-hmm. had two different strategies for how they were reaching the world. That's now, granted, right. Paul confronted Peter and said, hey, you're wrong. And then Peter kind of course corrected. But at the end of the day, if you look at Peter's ministry and Paul's ministry, it was probably different in scope and nature. Right. But the reality is they both were passionate about seeing people come to Jesus. You would right. agree with that. Okay, so that same thing has to be okay with us. Just because a staff member does not have the same mindset to make disciples as you doesn't make them any less of a Christian, but it does hinder them making disciples at your church. So here's what I would say. Through the two pastorates, three pastorates, but the first one I didn't have, but one part-time student pastor, but the last two pastors, this pastor and the one I'm at now, I've had to come along people and lovingly say to them, Mm. Brother, you know, you, I believe you love the Lord. You, you have a passion to reach people, right. but you're running a different playbook, and it's mm. and it's cumbersome for you, and it's hindering for us what God's trying to do here. Let us help you find the right place. Because here's right. the thing: when you're implementing a discipleship strategy, and you have guys on your staff who only do a certain type of ministry, and it's non-discipleship, it's going to be hard for them, and they're ready. It's difficult for them, so they're they need a way out. Let let them go serve somewhere where they can have a good fit. So I would say that's what separates a leader from a looker or a follower. Mm, Because you can, 
I heard years ago from a guy on my staff, uh, we had a guy who thought he was the leader of our, of our church. He wasn't right. the leader, but he thought he was the leader. He's an executive pastor on our staff. And uh, one of my other staff members said, this guy thinks he's leading the church. But one of the things I've realized a long time ago, if you go walking on a journey and no one's following you, you're not leading, you're just walking. <laughs> You're going on a walk. You're just going on a walk. <laughs> and here's the thing, Chris. Leaders have to make tough calls. Now, I'm not saying you go eradicate and fire every staff oh, member on right, staff right, and you know sure. clean house. But what I'm saying is, that, here, here, okay, let me just tell you what I did quickly. Here's what I did. The last two churches I came to, uh, when I came to Brainerd and when I came into Long Hollow, I interviewed personally for one hour every staff member on the ministerial staff level. Oh, wow. At Brainerd, it took a little while. At Long yeah. Hollow, it took months. Wow. That, that's all I did, though, the first couple of weeks. I interviewed staff, and I asked them a couple of key, key questions. Tell me, and I asked them a lot of things, but the final two questions yeah. uh, were these. Number one, tell me what your definition of disciple-making or discipleship is. Mm. Number two, tell me your strategy for making disciples at Long Hollow. Oh. <laughs> now, most most had some loose definition. Right. But there were a few who had no clue what I was talking about. Sure. And I knew right away that now some of those have gotten on board and learned and yeah. passionately sold out to it. But there were a few that I knew right away weren't going to make it. And by God's grace, they have found other ministry assignments. Yeah, and they've done that fit and they moved to something that's much better for them. So it's not. And we still yeah. love them. We still support yeah, them. Yeah. And we still are excited what God's doing. And they, they just wouldn't be happy here. Exactly. Exactly. They wouldn't be happy. So I think I think what we're what we're getting at here is we we're probably going to have to do another podcast on this topic. No, there's just so much to talk about, and we have to wrap it up. But I do want to conclude by by pointing out that we do have the replicate cohort. Uh, It is a limited space available. now, I don't want to call it a program. It's more of a mentorship or a network. We will network with you. Well, we're, we're discipling. Here's what I tell people. We're going to disciple you. Yeah. Most people who are part of our community and our tribe and the discipleship right, right. movement, most people, if you're listening, most of you would say, I've never been discipled. Mm. It's almost impossible to leave someone on a journey you've never been on. Right. It's not impossible. It's almost impossible. Yes. But when you have someone who can coach you along the way, which is what this right. network coaching cohort will do, it is the game changer, Chris. Right. It, it, well, and the beauty is it's customized for each individual to put them in a position to hear how, but then also to gather together, network, and implement. So it's web-based. You can do it from anywhere. You can do it from your home office. You can do it from your work office. You can listen while you're on the road. And as long as you're not trying to... Uh, talk while you're on the road and right. engage. Don't recommend that, but it's that, an that option. Smart. It's but replicate.org slash cohort. If you want to try to secure a spot, we are getting close to being full at this point. So we definitely want you to, to check that out. And we want you to be a part of that. If you have a chance, replicate.org slash cohort. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Making Disciples with Robbie Gallaty. If you don't mind, take a moment to subscribe and share the podcast. You can find out more about disciple making, resources related to disciple making, and our customized training on our website at replicate.org.